Welcome to another episode of Mental Health Mondays. We are actually on episode number 20. What? That is amazing. If you're just joining us for the very first time, what we do on Mental Health Mondays is we talk to guests who either experience or live with a mental health challenge or experts that are in the mental health field or mental health advocates. So make sure that you like and subscribe. Click that little button to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any other episodes. And I am so excited to bring my friend back, um, Stephen. I have known him since high school. Well, maybe even earlier. I don't know. But for a long time. And he was on our fourth episode. And I'm bringing him back for our 20th episode. So let me bring him on without further ado. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you so much again for joining me. Hey, Kelly. How you doing? <laughs> I am great. How is your, your day going today? I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all right. <laughs> I went out, I went out uh, to the bar last night, so. Ah, uh, yeah. One of those I'm, days, huh? <laughs> I'm a little tired, but it's okay. <laughs> well, I am excited to bring you back for another episode because you were on one of the very first episodes that we have, and now yeah. we're up to episode 20. Yeah, congratulations on episode 20. <laughs> Thank you. It's been really fun. But tell me what's been going on since last year to now. So um, I've just been working really hard trying to save money. I, um, I finally, I was uh, a tip hire through my company and I finally went through my probation period and got hired on as a full-time employee. So awesome. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Just been working really hard. Yeah. I know that. I mean, I follow your journey on Facebook, as I love the fact that you are so open about it. So those people that haven't watched these episodes yet, tell them a little bit about what you experience. So I experience, um, so I, I'm diagnosed with uh, schizoaffective disorder, which is schizophrenia with a mood disorder. Um, I also experience um, depression, PTSD, um, the, the mood disorder that I experience is bipolar. So I switch from highs and lows. And I know that you m recently, I mean, I feel like it maybe was about a month ago, you were in a really manic state. Yeah, it, it switches. For me, for, for most people, I think it switches um, – a lot quicker, but for me, it switches um, over weeks. Mm -hmm. So I can go, I can go a week being super depressed, or I can go a week being super manic and happy. But um, for the most part, it just swings back and forth. Yeah, and I know before we went live, um, we were talking about how especially in Colorado, since we both live in Colorado, the seasons can really affect your mood. Yes. There's, um, I think, I think a lot of people experience what's called SAD, which is seasonal. I don't remember that acronym. It's, but it's seasonal depression. And, um, I think a lot of people experience it during the winter time or during the holidays. 
and I definitely do. But um, I think once that first 70-degree day hits in spring, you kind of snap out of it a little bit and start to feel a little bit better. Once the, once you start to see the flowers blooming and stuff like that, leaves growing or trees growing leaves and stuff like that, you start to kind of snap out of it. Yeah, I think, I mean, even those of us that don't experience a mental challenge or we don't necessarily aren't aren't in that depressive state, I think there's still a point where when it's so cold or it's like dark and gloomy, right? Like we probably experience similar, but maybe not to the extremes of um, like yourself or somebody else who is diagnosed with a mental health challenge. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's pretty common, but uh, no, I think that when you're diagnosed with like bipolar disorder and you're in a depressive state, I think it's, it can get pretty extreme. I think it's, um, like I said, everybody experiences it or most people experience it. But when you're, when you're, when you, when you deal with depression on top of seasonal depression, it, it just makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. It's really hard. I had, um, I had a hard time when I was depressed now, now I'm not depressed. Now I'm happy. But when I was depressed, I had a, had a hard time taking care of myself and cleaning and just doing basic chores. And so, and it got really bad. It got bad to the point to where I didn't know where to, where to start to, to clean up after that. And what do you do? I mean, in those situations, do you kind of, I mean, you probably at this point, because you've lived with this for most of your life, um, at this point, is it one of those things that you're like, oh, I know what this is. I'm just going to ride it through. Or is it something that you're just in it and you're not exactly sure when you're going to come out? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're not really sure when you're, when you're going to come out. You just kind of, you're in it. You, you just, um, So I, I know that everything happens for a reason. I know everything's going to work out for the best. But so I just kind of write it out and um, I know it will be okay. I just got to get through it. Mm. And then when you're, I mean, I know that because you like sent me messages and you're like, I'm in a really manic state or I can watch kind of your like timeline on Facebook and see like these extremes because again, you're, you're very aware of what's going on and you're vocal about it, which I really appreciate because not enough people talk about what they're experiencing. Um, so I've been able to kind of watch how that plays out a little bit over the last year, which is always, I, it makes me really curious because I haven't ever experienced like those highs and lows. Right. But it's yeah. really cool to be able to, watch your journey as you go through it and have you express what is going on. Yeah. Um, I'm very aware if you, when you get a chance, Google the definition of metacognition. Metacognition. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically cognition of cognition. 
It's being aware of cognition. Okay. Or or no or thinking thinking that you are thinking. Uh, gotcha. it's, it's a strange word, but uh, uh, of course I'm self-aware. And that's what metacognition really comes down to is that you're self-aware and you just know uh, when you just you just know when you're going through something and you're aware of it. Now, I gotta admit, when I first started uh, experiencing my challenges, um, I wasn't aware. I wasn't sure. I didn't know what was going on. But it's been like 20 years, so now I'm I'm really aware of where I'm at and stuff like that. Yeah, I would I would imagine that it would be kind of scary at first when you start experiencing these things because you're not exactly sure what's going on. So Right. Yeah. But eventually you get onto the right, uh, you meet with the right doctor, you meet with the right therapist, you meet with the, you get on the right meds and those symptoms start to diminish substantially. So it just, it takes time. But when you first start to experience your uh, mental health challenges, um, it can be scary and lonely and you feel like you're you're never going to get through it. But if you just stick through it and give it time and stick to your meds, uh, you're going to always experience with, uh, you're going to always uh you're always going to try new meds until they find the one that works for you. And once, once you find that one that works for you where you're not having, it's not going to get rid of all your symptoms, but it's going to drastically decrease them to where your life is manageable. And once you get to that state, stay on your meds and um, uh, just go from there. Yeah, I think that was one thing that we didn't talk about last time when you were on was how important it is to make sure that once you get that like perfect cocktail, yeah. uh, making sure that you do stay on that medication, even if you're like, wow, I feel amazing because that's ultimately what it's supposed to be doing. But right, right. A lot of people tend to get to the place of, oh, I, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. And then they go off and then it it reverts back to where they were prior. Right. Exactly. And I, I've, I've done that numerous times in my life. I've, I've lost close friends because of it. Because, like, I'll get to the point to where I'm like, these meds aren't even doing anything. I don't, I'm not feeling anything. And that's the thing about psych meds. Uh, a lot of people will try to, there's there's some people that will try to like take a psych med to get like an effect or something like that, but they don't do that. That you don't feel anything on psych meds except for you might feel groggy or something like that. But when when you're on the right cocktail, you're gonna feel that um, you don't need the medication anymore and that you're you're good. You know what I mean. And as soon as you stop taking it, that's when you crash. Take about a week or so and you'll crash and you'll go back to your old ways. And like I said, I've lost a lot of people because of that. And so it's really important that I stay on my meds regular, regularly. So, 
Yeah. One thing that I always like to talk about too, is especially if um, you're advocating for a youth or just even advocating for yourself, it's also important to make sure that you advocate. If, if when on a medication, it doesn't feel right, then advocate to get on something else. Right. So understanding yeah. that dynamic too, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes down to it, it's your body, it's your mind. So if it's not working for you in any way, you just got to be really open with your doctor and just tell them what you're experiencing and why you don't like it or whatever. And there's so many, there's so many different options out there as far when it comes to medications. And so um, I've been on some medications that made me a lot worse. Um, right now I take Latuda which I think helps out a lot, but I've been on, um, what's it called? Seroquel or something like that? I don't know. I'm not I don't kidding. know the name of it, but um, it's like Sarah something. But uh, I was on that and I got really dark. It, it was it was a bad experience. I didn't like it one bit. And my therapist actually called my doctor. I was in the, when I was in the uh, program, um, my therapist called the doctor and said, Hey, whatever he's on, take him off of it, put him back what he was on, which is Latuda. And within a week I was back to being happy and smiling and all that and talking and all so like that. But when I was on that one pill, I, I just wanted to fight everybody. It was, it was bad. So you got it. There's different options for medications and you just got to find the right one that works. But if you if you notice that you're different, then don't take then talk to your doctor. Don't don't stay on that pill. Yeah, I I know there was a point in my life that I well there have been a couple points in my life that I've gotten on antidepressants, but uh, yeah. I yeah. got on one that was similar to what my mom and my sisters were taking. And for me, though, because like you said, we're all different and things interact differently. For me, I got like, like, I felt like I had vertigo and it was a bad feeling. And I was like, this is not right. Like, I, even though the rest of my family is on it, like this one's not right for me. So, yeah, you have to make sure that you're advocating. And I love that your therapist was like, get him off of this. Like, we've got yeah. to put him back on. So that's awesome that you had somebody on your side, too. Yeah. See, in that program, I saw my, my therapist saw me every day. So she knew she could easily see a change in, in mood and saw it right away and was like, no. So because the the um, so it was prescribed by a primary nurse, I think. Uh primary practitioner or something like that. I, I can't think of the word, but um, she's not an actual psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever. She was just a nurse and she, she, she was just pushing that pill on everybody. They put it on me. They put me on it. And I was like, uh -uh. No, no way. That's bad. And then recently, uh, the last time I was in the hospital, um, 
my doctor put me on like back on Zyprexa and uh, I'm, I'm just taking a small amount of that. I'm taking like 10 milligrams and uh, he put me back on that and that's it cure some of my anxiety and my psychosis that I had. And uh, I used to take that. I used to take that when I went through my divorce uh, 20 years ago, I took it, but I took a lot of milligrams of it to where I gained a lot of weight. But now we just have me at like 10 milligrams, pretty chill. And that seemed to really help out a lot. I've, I've kind of like, come out of my shell and I've started opening up at work more and joking around. So it's, it's made a big difference in my life so far. Wow. That's awesome. Cause I know that at one point and I was going to shift you kind of back to the work, we we're chatting about that too. Um, yeah. At one point in time, it was really hard. And I love the fact that you were able to be hired on full time and yeah. I know that sometimes with the schizoaffective disorder, the joking doesn't work so well for you. So right. that's great to hear that you're able to experience joking and opening up. So, yeah. Ever since I, ever since I started the Zyprex, I've kind of opened up a lot more and I've noticed a big difference in my attitude, my mood, I should say. That's great. And so talking about work, and I know this is a subject that maybe neither of us really have the answers for, but right. thinking about uh, your mental health challenge and talking to your employer with what you experience, um, what do you think would be beneficial for anyone that does have a mental health diagnosis or illness or whatever you want to call it? Um, how can they talk to their employers best or do you know? I don't know. I, I think in my situation, uh, my immediate manager won't understand and they will kind of judge me for it. But if I think I, but I think if I went to my big boss and asked to talk to him and just say, which my big boss is only 26 years old. You know what <laughs> I mean? And he's, he's a man, he's a branch manager. But um, I think if I went to him and just kind of said, hey, you know, uh, well, hold on. Now, if my performance at work is pretty good, obviously they hired me on. But if I was struggling with something like attendance or something like that, I can easily go to my big boss and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry I show up a little bit late. I take um, heavy sleeping pills and I'm on, would you call it narcotics? Would you, would you say that you're on narcotics? Uh, I would just say prescription. Prescription pills. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But, uh, just say I'm on some pretty heavy prescription pills that make me kind of drowsy and stuff like that. Um, for the most part so far, like, um, just yesterday, so I work in a warehouse and I work with machines and one of the machines is where it, it's a platform that raises you up like 30 to 50 feet in the air and you got to pull stuff off the shelf and put it on the platform. 
and I came across some shower bases, which were heavy, and they were all the way up at the top, and they were stacked 12 high, and I was like, I'm not doing that. And so when I get up that high, my I get really dizzy, and, I get, and, I, and I'm afraid I'm going to fall, even though I'm wearing a harness. But um, I said something to my manager, and he was like, no, it's okay. We'll get those down for you so you can just pull them off on the, on the ground. So they've been pretty supportive so far without me telling them what my mental challenges are. But at some point, I'm going to have to disclose what my mental challenge is to my big boss and just explain, hey, you know, it is what it is. And uh, this is the way, this is why I am the way I am. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we talked about how I don't like, when the radio is on, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they don't understand those little things about me. Like I don't like when the radio is on because I'm hypersensitive to noise. And uh, yeah. Is it possible in, I mean, in a warehouse setting, I've never worked in a warehouse, but my assumption, I guess, is in a warehouse setting, like the the radio kind of helps so that it's not so quiet. But is it possible, like I was just like with your headset, right? Like, is there a way to um, compromise in a way and wear like a noise canceling headset or something? Would that be an no. option? No, 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 because I got to hear I got to hear horns and stuff like that like when someone's on a machine that makes sense yeah yeah i guess safety over <laughs> yeah safety would be important so no i can't walk around with headphones on or in or earbuds or whatever gotcha yeah yeah and i don't know i mean like you said like i don't know necessarily the answer but i think it's important because we also kind of talked about it is technically it it is a disability, right? Like you can't always effectively do your job because you have the highs and the lows. And it's important for them just to understand what you do experience so that if in the future there happens to be something that happens, um, they can at least like if you got hurt or whatever, right? They yeah. would be able to let the the um, the emergency services. I'm like, what is their name? Emergency services know what's going on, but I don't know if it's necessarily something that they need to know the full extent. Like that's kind of my opinion. As like, yeah, I experienced this, but it doesn't mean that I'm any less of a worker. Like you already know how good of a worker I am, so. Um, but it's important probably for them just to be aware of. So, yeah, I don't think you need to go into the full extent of it. I just think that they should be aware that you do deal with a mental challenge and, um, you don't have to, you don't have to explain, you don't have to go into detail, just explain that you, Hey, you know, I, I kind of deal with a mental challenge. And so, Sometimes I'm not all there or whatever, you know, whatever you want to say. But 
I think it's important that you explain that to your, your employer and maybe not your immediate manager because, well, just like anybody you feel comfortable with that's above you yeah, that can communicate it for you. Yeah, I would, I would think that that would be the important part is whomever you feel comfortable with telling that information um, yeah. and have them just aware of, you know, it's not going to affect me or potentially it may or may not affect me as an employee, but there may be moments that I have those really high highs. I have those really low lows and I do experience um, schizoaffective, which means that like you have said in the past that you have had like hallucinations and delusions. So making them aware that that's always a potential. And I know the last time I interviewed you, we talked about the difference in um, calling you Steven versus Steve, because in high school we all called you Steve and now you go by Steven due to um, it in your brain, you recognize your name better as Steven. So yeah, because Steve sounds like me or D. My my boss's name is Dennis, so everybody calls him D, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, it, Steven is very, you know, like uh, I'll react to that. Um, I know you're calling me when you say Steven, but when you say Steve, I I'll, I'll react, but you're probably not calling me. I I probably heard my name and you said something different. Yeah. And I, I asked that question after I had interviewed you and then I was like, man, I should have asked it before. Um, so it was good, good information for me, even knowing like what you like to be called by, which is normally what I ask most of my guests, but I assumed like from high school that you still went by Steve. And so, you know, that's. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, in your, in your intro, you talked about like how long we've known each other and it's, it has been since middle school. Oh yeah. Oh, it has, huh? Yeah. It was, it was Thunder Ridge. It was. Yep. I know. I always, I forget like how far back I go with certain people. So yeah, it was Thunder Ridge. Yeah. We were just babies. Yes. That was, I feel like it was forever ago, but it probably was because yeah, (laughs) we're all in our, well, most of us are all in our forties now. So yeah. Well, everybody in our grade is in our forties. Right. Yep. Yeah. I turned I turned 42 in three days on the 19th. Oh, wow. Well, happy early birthday. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I do in July. I turned 42. So <laughs> too much. I, I actually I have a I have an 18 year old stepdaughter who I I always think of myself as a cool person. Right. But I'm like not a cool parent, apparently. So <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm getting old. That's okay. Yeah, I never I never thought when when 30 came around, that was a big deal because my I don't think my mom ever thought I'd make it to 30. And now I'm now I'm hitting 42 and my mom's just like, Okay, he's right. he's doing it somehow. But uh I think with uh I think I think what's really I, we talked about this last time in the interview about um, addiction with mental illness. And I, that's a very big, very big issue that needs to be talked about and addressed. But I'm not perfect. I, I drink, you know what I mean? I have addiction. Yeah. 
but we also talked about like homelessness and I think a lot of the homeless are mentally unstable and they have addiction issues and stuff like that. But with my addiction issue, um, my liver's going bad. Mm. You know, I probably, I don't think I'll make it to 50, but we'll see. I mean, it's a 42. So yeah, you never know. You may get to 70, 80, 90. My dad's in his seventies. Mm. He, he drinks. So, but he doesn't take, um, medications. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So I think you're not supposed to drink when you take medications. It's like meds. Yeah, that is one of those, I mean, the side effects that they talk about on, well, any real prescription has a whole bunch of side effects. But I think that's an important subject is talking about mental health challenges. And it's really like substance abuse specifically is a coping mechanism. It's something that like you were talking about when you experienced homelessness is that a lot of homeless drink because it's a coping mechanism for not right. having a home and or potentially their mental health challenge. And so sometimes you can learn other ways to cope that are much more healthy for you. But right. I know that, I mean, again, it is all based off of the individual and I, it's not anything, at least for me, like I'm not going to judge you whether you do or don't. Like, of course, I understand the side effects and I understand the repercussions, which you also do. But it's it is up to that person and what they choose. And I think the important thing is not being judgmental around that type of thing. So, yeah. And it, it can be really hard to, because I think that as humans, we go to a fix it place. Like we want to fix people, which is not always a great, great thing to try to do, but um, putting your opinion or advice out to somebody is not helpful. At least I don't feel like it is. So <laughs> no, I agree with that. Um, I also know, and it's totally up to you, but I know that you had a poem that you wrote a long time ago. Is that something you want to share? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can move the screen out of the way. Okay. I can't move the screen. Oh, I wonder if I have it on my phone. Oh, I can do this. Yeah, I can read it. If you want to. Okay. I'm not very good at reading, and there's lots of typos, so it's not going to flow very well. That's okay. All right. So, anyways, I wrote this poem when I was homeless three years ago, and I was in a manic depressive state, and it's called Letting You Know. And so here it goes. You said that you didn't think you know who I really was, what goes on inside, and I thought you thought I had tried to be open with you because you held me, and I felt I owed you honesty. But I guess that the turmoil is too much to communicate in simple words uttered 
and snatched moments that you gave me more precious than diamonds. As I sit and I sit here tonight trying to think how how can I let you know who it was that you held and kissed gently on the forehead and made and made me feel like that child who we, who we lost so long ago. If I told you that sometimes the wind blows through my skin, blows right inside of me and around my organs and touches my cells. If I told you that I feel rather than listen to music, if I told you that the rain mingles with the tears on my lashes, would any of that begin to explain who it was that you held like that child who was it for his own good? And sometimes spinning around barefoot, I dance like a mad thing. Sometimes I run, sometimes I swim in the river still, even though I'm too old to decently do any of these things. And the anger you see and the belligerence you experience, that makes me hard work comes from having to survive, from having to keep that child alive when he was close to death. If I told you that the child was me, would you think I was crazy? That he had to separate so that he could crawl into the deepest recess behind his heart? To hide feet like thumb and mouth, holding a comfort rag, all the comfort he ever had to hide there from the stares and jibes and punishments for being not as others would like him to be. If I told you that words are all that he has, clumsy, fumbling, stumbling, worse to describe the rage that fuels me through the crap, through the day, and into tomorrow, how can I tell you why or what I am? Just a puddle of complications that regrettably I have come to accept as being fragmented pieces of what should have been whole. A person who tried three times to die and failed to have the curse to let go. A person who has self-inflicted scars on his skin that barely hides the scars beneath, beneath inflicted by others. A person that knows off all of his limitations, off all by heart. Where should I start to turn this all around? It's down to me to find more, one more ounce of strength of courage, and I don't think I have it. If I told you that I didn't know when I became defined by people telling me that I was odd, eccentric, mad, crazy, difficult, hard work, challenging, but that every time someone new flings an adjective at me, the child, the child cries for another part of him that died. If I, if I was, if I were to, if I, if I was, if I told you that once he was wonderful, creative, wide-eyed, imaginative, kind, loving, would you even begin to believe me? Before he was beaten, ton, driven inside his head, before he was punished for being unable to deal with his failings, before he gave up trying to make his life work by claiming and being perfect, before he realized that he couldn't win and stopped trying and began to wish, dream, fantasize himself into a different place. How was a personality disorder made? Add some sugar and spice and rat poison, stir it up, swallow the pill while it swells up and chokes you. And I'm letting you know just a bit more because you held him, not me. It was never me that you were holding, but that seven-year-old child who cried himself to sleep every night and woke trembling from nightmares, but quietly, always quietly, so no one heard, so no one could shout at him more for his tears. And he, not me, wants to let you know how he came to be. That's it. Wow. How does that make you feel as you read it, or does it bring up any anything from three years ago? Yeah, you know what? Um, usually, when I read it, I, I get a little teary eyed because I remember the experience a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was in a really sad state, so it brings me back to like depression. 
Yeah. What do you, I mean, thank you for sharing. I think that is amazing. And I know that it was in one of those places, but I think it's important for people to hear also just how you were feeling at that moment. Is there any um, like context that you want to put around it or not? Um, I think the, the number seven kind of sticks out because I, I remember being seven and um, I just remember that I was really hyperactive and uh, really struggling with my parents and stuff like that. And I was kind of disciplined a little bit too hard, mm -hmm. I should say. And that year just kind of stuck out to me. Mm. Is that, I know that last time when we talked to, we talked a little bit about getting on Ritalin and that it right. wasn't the right medic prescription. Was that around that time also? Yeah, I was on Ritalin at that time. Mm. So. And that can, I mean, just that in itself can potentially cause a slew of other challenges that come up. Yeah, I think that's I think that's when it started. I think um, I think Ritalin uh, directly affected my drug use, my substance abuse. I think I um, I think I, I have been chasing that like that down feeling that you get when you're on Ritalin. I think I've been chasing that my whole life, and I'm trying to like use substances to try to reach that point of downness but uh i don't I, I don't find it i finally quit all drugs i don't do any drugs anymore all i do is drink but i'll never get that feeling again i've taken ritalin and even though i hated ritalin i still crave that that down that i got when i was when i was on it mm. or or coming down from it. Yeah, I, and I'm not, not that we're like saying that prescription medication is bad by any means. We're not like giving opinions towards them at all. But I think that what the importance of what you said is that at seven years old, at least for me, and this is my personal opinion, but at seven years old, a kid is a kid, right? Like right. they should have energy, especially boys. I have a six-year-old. I understand how much energy he has that I don't have, right? Like, but that is natural, naturally being young. Like you have this energy about you and it's, it's finding the avenues that are helpful, like, playing outside more often or getting the energy out however you can instead of putting them on some type of prescription. And the thing that I understand is that most medication is designed for adults. It's not designed for youth. So we also have to keep that in mind. So again, just going back to like the advocating, make sure you're advocating for yourself, make sure you're advocating for your children or whomever it might be. And don't, at least for me, like personally, don't just go for something that's going to make it easier on you. Like try to find alternatives other than 
putting somebody that is seven years old on a medication that you could potentially cause further challenges in life. And that's, that's just my opinion. So. Yeah, it's a good opinion. And I agree with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just for the people out there that watch this, that I don't want you to get mad at me for my opinion, but that's exactly, that's just how I feel is that all, all children should be able to be children and maybe finding an alternative space like my son goes to MMA because he has a lot of energy, right? Like that's a way for him to get out his energy and they're also working on behavior. So that is an appropriate avenue for our family. It may not be for your child, right? But um, I would just caution and consider alternatives to medication at such a young age that can cause later problems in life. So that's my, <laughs> that's my spiel on, on medication in general, but I really, really appreciate you coming back and giving us an update as to where you're at now. Um, congratulations on becoming full-time at your mm -hmm. job. That is so amazing. Um, watching you grow and progress is such a wonderful thing and being able to share that poem any last minute words or things was, you want to chat about i was just gonna say yeah like three years ago i was homeless and now here i am got my own place uh working full-time uh just got hired on by my company i'm investing in the stocks yeah, I'm, I actually have a savings that I'm investing and stuff like that. So I, I've come a long ways. And this is the longest I've gone without stopping my meds. Yeah, I've just stayed on my meds and I've gotten so far. So That's awesome. So it's never too late and everything can change at any point in time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Steven, I really, really appreciate you coming back on here and we'll have to like schedule again, maybe in the future and just keep updated um, with what's going on and how it's going with you. But thank you so much again for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, y'all. That was another episode of Mental Health Mondays where we talk to guests who experience or live with a mental health challenge, uh, mental health advocates, or professionals in the mental health space. We do this every single Monday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. So make sure that you smash that button to like, subscribe, share, tell all your friends, and join us for every Monday, Mental Health Mondays. But we can't do it without your help. So, um, BCC Evolution is a nonprofit organization. We are all based on mental health and suicide awareness education. So we need your support by becoming a warrior for mental health. And you get this cool shirt. I know I do this every time, but um, you get this cool shirt. 
and you get to show the world that you are a warrior for mental health. Also, with only a $20 donation per month to BCC. So make sure you click the link and sign up today to become a warrior for mental health. And all of your funds go towards our mental health education and our Be Kind to Your Mind care packages. So again, make sure you like, subscribe, share, tell all your friends, and join us back here next Monday for another episode and a new guest. Bye, y'all.